So welcome once again, everybody, to tonight's study. We begin in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 is where we're going to begin tonight. In Isaiah 49, verse 1, listen, O isles. And when you see that phrase there, O isles, it doesn't necessarily mean islands. It means distant lands. It means the whole world, everybody listen up unto me and hearken you people from far. From far there shows you it's not just the islands, it's it's the whole world. The Lord hath called me from the womb. And Jesus Christ was called from the womb. You remember the what the Catholics call the Annunciation. Well, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her not to be afraid that that which is going to be born of her is out of the Holy Spirit. And in Luke 135, it's the only place in scripture that really tells you about the begettle of Jesus Christ. In Luke 1, in verse 35, we see here, Holy Spirit coming upon Mary. And the angel answered and said unto her, Your the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. It's not the Son of the Holy Spirit, it's the Son of the God. The Holy Spirit is under the direction of God in Christ. And so anyone who that uh, the Holy Spirit is the Father of Jesus Christ is incorrect, but the Holy Spirit under the direction of the Father, and the Father directed the begettle of the Son in the womb of Mary. So has called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, have he made mention of my name. Of course, God appeared to Joseph, before Joseph and Mary were able to consummate the marriage and told her, told him he was contemplating putting her away. Don't put her away because that holy thing that's in her is the Son of God and his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now continuing in verse 2, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. So that is a metaphor, a figure of speech with regard to the word of God. And let's notice with regard to the word of God in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So here is established the fact, the existence of a being named the word, which he was known by in the Old Testament to a large degree. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, we also read that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged edged sword, dividing asunder the thoughts and the intents of the heart of man. And then in Revelation 19 and all the way to Revelation, the last book in the Bible, we see in verse 15 that when Jesus Christ comes again, Revelation 19 15, it says, And out of his mouth went a sharp sword, and that sharp sword is the word of God. And it's through the word of God that Jesus Christ speaks, and through his word, he conquers the nations that are gathered together in battle against Christ and the saints at the battle of the great day of God Almighty described in Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, 14, along in there. So, and he made my mouth like a sharp sword we know that sharp sword is the word of God. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me 
And of course, Jesus Christ has not been revealed to, to everyone. And it's a wonderful blessing that you have been called and you, that, that God has revealed Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ has revealed God to you and made me a polished shaft in his quiver have he hid me. And so God is revealed only to those whom he calls at this present time. And let's see, where did it, we're in Luke chapter 10. I didn't write this down, so I may not, may not fall on it just uh, immediately. But anyhow, it talks about in Luke chapters 10 or 11 that uh, the Father is revealed by the Son, and the Son is revealed by the Father. So now we continue in verse 3. And said unto me, You are my servant, O Israel. Now there's a lot of controversy here with regard to saying, O Israel, at this point. You can determine, you can see immediately that it could be the nation of Israel, at least, no, I shouldn't say at least, perhaps I should say at most, the Israel of God. And one of the things that commentators don't really understand, the differentiation between physical Israel and the Israel of God. It is through the, the church to a large degree, those who have been begotten and eventually born in the Holy Spirit, that God is glorified. Now, God is going to restore Israel in the millennium, in the flesh. And as we have said so often, a vivid description of that is given in Zechariah uh, chapter 8. So you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now, some of the commentators there say that... Um, Israel is put there for the Messiah, and it could uh, be suited to be there, as we shall see in the next verse. And then I said, I have labored in vain. So we know that from Scripture, it says that Jesus Christ came to his own, and his own received him not. And that's John chapter 1 and verse 11. And that's... That's a verse that we should read in John 1 and verse 11. He came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which was born not of blood, so not a physical birth but a spiritual birth and Jesus Christ is the firstborn of many brethren as it says in Revelation 1 and verse 5 and he became the son of God through the resurrection from the dead so birth and resurrection are equated in uh, Acts 13 and also in Romans chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 became the son of God by the resurrection from the dead, which was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They are born of God, and we are born of God at the resurrection. And Jesus Christ, according to Romans 8 and verse 29, is the firstborn among many brethren. And since he is our a brethren, he's not ashamed to call us brethren, as in Hebrews chapter 2. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Now verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of course, it is through Jesus Christ that grace and truth became operant for those whom he would call. 
And the plan of salvation goes back even before anything was created, the spiritual realm or the physical realm. Uh, in eternity, Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. So, the Messiah, obviously, when he came to his own and his own received him not, uh, that was a very discouraging thing. And uh, this shows the that Jesus Christ has feelings, emotions. And of course, God and Christ both have feelings and emotions. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing. And in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the eternal and my work with my God. So he never gave up because of being rejected. He was despised of a being, of a human beings, and uh, his own people rejected him. Now verse 5. And now says the eternal that formed me from the womb, in this case that would be the father, and we read from Luke one thirty five that the Holy Spirit will become come upon you and you will be begotten of God to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered. Now, that would be a contradiction if that is literally what it says in the margin. Uh, the marginal reads as follows, that Israel may be gathered to him and I may be glorious. So Israel and Judah are gathered to him. To bring Jacob again to be gathered to him through, though Israel be not gathered, and I've explained that, that the marginal rendering uh, clarifies that, and actually Israel is gathered as well, and you can read several sources where all 12 tribes are gathered. Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the eternal, and my God shall be my strength. And so Jesus Christ, even here, is prophesied that he would call the Father his God. Now in verse 6, and he said, it, it is a light thing. Now, you might get the wrong impression from just reading this uh, cursorily, cursorily up front. It is a light thing. In other words, if that was, if this is all there is to it, a gathering Israel, then that might be called a light thing. And he said, it is a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, if that's all there was. But in addition to that, he is going to raise up also, he's going to raise up and be the light of the Gentiles, as we shall read. Once again, a light thing, if that was all he was going to do. But he's going to do much more than just the tribes of Jacob. Like it says in Romans chapter 8, that no, Romans chapter uh, 3, is he the God of the Jews only? No, he is the God of Jew and Gentile. So is it a light thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob? And if that was all there was, you might call that a light thing, but that would be a weighty thing. And to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give you, and Jesus Christ was given, for a light to the nations, to the Gentiles, that you might be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So he is the God of all peoples, Jew and Gentile. Of course, the the Jews rejected Jesus Christ at his first coming. As we have already read from John 1.11, he came to his own, 
and his own received him not. But to as many as those who did believe on his name, he gave them power to become the sons of God. And what, when the fundamentalists, preachers of the day began to talk about Israel, they talk about mainly Israel in the flesh. But we want to understand that Israel in the flesh will be restored, but the greatest goal and purpose that God has with human beings is to bring all nations, kindreds, tongues, people, ethnic groups, nations into a relationship with him. Thus says the eternal, the redeemer of Israel, and in this case it is that title Redeemer is being given to, to God the Father and his Holy One. Now, his Holy One is Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ is the one who redeems us. We want to go now to the title Redeemer is not in the New, New Testament, but Redeem is and the one who redeems us is Jesus Christ. So we go to Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Titus 2 verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, a purchased people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Paul writing to Titus. So the title Redeemer can be given to God the Father, but the one the one who paid the price that we might be redeemed, and redeemed is uh, in the New Testament, uh, I don't know, three or four times. And his Holy One, to him man despises, to him whom the nation abhors. And we've already talked about that with regard to the one whom the nations abhors and despises. And Isaiah 53, which is ahead of where we are now, we're in 49, but if we turn to Isaiah 53, this is one of the most vivid descriptions of what Jesus Christ uh, went through uh, to become our Savior. So Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He'll grow up before him as a tender plant and as the root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness when we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And uh, it continues the rest of Isaiah 53 with regard to Jesus Christ taking upon himself the sins of the world. So the one who was despised and abhorred by the nations to a servant of rulers king shall see and arise princes also shall worship because of the eternal that is faithful and the holy one of israel and he shall choose you so isaiah 49 7 again let's read the whole verse isaiah 49 7 Thus says the Eternal and the Redeemer of Israel, 
So that title given to God the Father at this point and his Holy One, Jesus Christ, to him whom man despises, and we read that from Isaiah 53, twice in that section it says despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the eternal that is faithful, and see, God has kept his word. He has sent the Holy One. He sent Jesus Christ time after time in the Gospels. It says that God the Father sent Jesus Christ. And the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose you. Now we come to more directly the restoration of Israel, Isaiah 49 and verse 8, thus says the eternal, in an acceptable time have I heard you, and in a day of salvation have I helped you, and I will preserve you and give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. So we want to look at this but more closely in a day of salvation. Now, when you go to the New Testament, and we oftentimes, we, we used to go here quite often, talking about uh, this is not the only day of salvation. As we know, we hear that the, on the eighth day about the, Ezekiel 37 and the resurrection of Israel and the joining of the two sticks together and the, and the Holy Spirit being made available. Now, in some cases, some sermons have made it sound like that uh, the Holy Spirit just comes upon people in mass, but uh, everybody in the millennium and everybody that's resurrected and given their chance for salvation has to go through the same process that we're going through. They must, they must recognize that they're a sinner. They must repent. They must exercise faith in the sacrifice of Christ, be baptized, and receive the laying on of hands, just as we have received. In uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Paul quotes what we, it's somewhat of a paraphrase, but mainly a direct quote from what we have just read here in Isaiah 49 and verse 8. For he said, I have heard you in a time accepted. And here it says in the day. There is no direct article in uh, Greek. So it is a day. If you look at um, interlinear, uh, the won't appear in day of salvation. In a day of salvation have I succored you. Behold, now is the accepted time. So Jesus Christ came. He revealed himself to the apostles. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jews were were added, was it that? Were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. Then Peter went to the house of Cornelius in Acts 15, and it was made known that the Gentiles also would receive the Holy Spirit. So today is a day of salvation for those that are being called. But the greater harvest will come, the fall harvest, when those who have never even heard some have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ, will be resurrected and receive their opportunity for salvation. So I'm reading Isaiah 49, 8 again. Thus says the eternal, in an acceptable time have I heard you, and in a day of salvation have I helped you, and I will preserve you and give you for a covenant 
of the people. Jesus Christ is the mediator of the New Testament. He is, an, which means he is the mediator of the New Covenant. In fact, uh, the word diathake for covenant should be translated covenant. And oftentimes it's translated in the uh, Bible, in the King James Bible as uh, Testament. So look at uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 24. Hebrews 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So I will give him as a covenant, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel, Abel brought a sacrifice that was acceptable because he brought the best of the flock. And see that you refuse him not that speaks, for if they escape, they escape not. For if they escape not who refuse him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Now concerning the covenant, I want us to turn back now to Hebrews 10. And I'm sorry, Hebrews 8. I want us to turn back to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8 and verse 6. But now hath he obtained, and that's Jesus Christ, a more excellent ministry. By how much more he is the mediator of a new, uh, I'm sorry, of a mediator of a better covenant. It's a better covenant, which was, and that is the word established here. I don't know why the King James translators translated as established. It literally means furnished with law. You can look it up, the uh, Greek word furnished with law. And in Passover services, I have tried to get our ministers to understand and read this verse for what it says that the new covenant is furnished with law based upon better promises. The promises under the old covenant were mainly physical promises. But now we have promises that are spiritual. Spiritual promises which offers physical blessings as far as that goes, but Eternal life is the ultimate goal. So it is a better covenant which was furnished with law upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, they broke the covenant, they didn't keep it uh, in Exodus chapter. 24, they said they, they will keep it. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant and I regarded them not says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their heart, and I mean, into their mind, write them in their hearts. That's spiritually speaking, whereas with Old Testament and Old Covenant, they were written on tables, tablets of stone, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. So Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Now we go back to Isaiah 49, 8. We read it in its entirety. Isaiah 49 and verse 8. Thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard you, and in a day of salvation have I helped you, 
and I will preserve you and give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. And of course, we are inheritors of, of joint, and we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what it says in Romans 8. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you can hardly imagine such a thing. Uh, you turn back there to Romans 8, and we'll look at verse uh, 17, I believe it is. In Romans 8 and verse 17, this, this is one of the most encouraging, powerful verses in the entire Bible. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, and if children, see, we are literally children of God. Now, in sermons way back years ago, I used to say, we have come out of the loins of God. What do you mean come out of the loins? I mean, human beings come out of the loins of their father and mother. But we come out of the loins of God in the spiritual sense in that we are actually received of from the Father, the very essence of God, the Holy Spirit. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. So you see that wonderful promise there. Now we continue back in Isaiah 48, 9, 49, Isaiah 49, verse 8, we'll read the whole verse. Thus says the eternal, in an acceptable time have I heard you, and in a day of salvation, and if you've been called, this is your day of salvation, there's no turning back, and I've helped you, and I will preserve you, and give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that you may say to the prisoners, go forth to them that are in darkness. And of course, the here spiritually speaking, first and foremost, that the veil will be lifted and they will come to see the light. And the knowledge of God will cover the uh, sea as, uh, as the waters cover the sea. In darkness, Show yourselves, they shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. And the high places mean the, the very choices of places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them by the springs of water, shall he guide them. Now, during the, um, the trumpet plagues, the heat of the sun is going to be increased uh, sevenfold. Uh, there's another place in Isaiah that talks about coming in from the from the heat and uh, come into the covert of God, and He will cover you and deliver you from the heat. Neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for He hath mercy. On them shall lead them even by the springs of water. Now, springs of water are symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We go to Psalm 87, and we'll see that Psalm 87 is one of the most beautiful psalms in the entire Bible. It's been set to music, and it's called... Uh, Zion stands most beautiful, the joy of all the earth. And it's speaking not about Zion, the place, the physical, geographical place, but it's speaking about the church. Let's, let's read Psalm 87. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gate of, gates of Zion more than the dwellings of Jacob. Why? You see, Jacob oftentimes represents Israel in the flesh. 
Zion oftentimes represents the church. As in Hebrews 12, 23, you have come to Mount Zion to the church of the living God, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. And that's what the hymn is named. Uh, glorious uh, things are spoken of you, city of God. I will make mention of Rahab, Babylon, to them that know me, Philistia, Tyre, with Ethiopia. This man was born there. Where? Where will they be born? Where will you be born into the kingdom of God? Will you be born at a particular place? People have died in the ocean. People have died in the sea. People have been burned up. People have been cremated. People put in the grave. Uh, people have been dead in all kinds of different places. God knows where they are, and he can resurrect them and will resurrect them. As glorious, radiant spirit beings, as it says in First Thessalonians chapter four, that um, the the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive shall be caught up, meet him in the air. And of Zion it shall be said, "This and that man was born in her." Where in Zion? And the highest himself shall establish you. The Lord shall count when he writes up the people that this man was born there. Where? In Zion. As well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in you. All my springs, my spirit is in you, O church of God. That's where God's spiritual strength, he has given us his spirit. And we shall be born as spirit beings. Okay, we'll read 10 again. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. This is Isaiah 49.10. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them even by the springs of waters. The Holy Spirit shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains, and I will make all my mountains a way, and my highways shall be exalted. God is going to exalt his highways uh, so that the redeemed of the earth can return uh, let's go to let's see Isaiah let's see what we want to go to Isaiah eleven sixteen. Isaiah eleven sixteen, 16 and let's look at a moment for highways Isaiah eleven sixteen. There shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, which which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that they came up out of the land of Egypt. So his highways will be exalted. They'll be easy to find be able, easy for the remnant to track that back to back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. Now let's notice one other verse here uh, regarding the highways in 1923, uh, I believe it is. In Isaiah 19, verse 23. Isaiah 19, verse 23. Quite an encouraging verse here. In that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, 
and the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Of course, the other third will be Israel. And the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. What a beautiful picture that the Bible presents with regard to unity in the future. It says, my highways shall be exalted. It'll be easy for those that are redeemed for the remnant to find to go back to Jerusalem. Of course, the resurrected saints will be ruling over and serving as ministers and priests and kings in the kingdom of God. Verse 12, Isaiah 49, verse 12. Behold, these shall come from far and low, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinaia. Or Sinaian, it's the only place that this word appears in the Bible. And the commentators don't really, some speculate that it means uh, uh, China. That, uh, But Israel is gathered from all the corners of the earth, north, south, east, west, and from every land. And why I why Isaiah uses uh, Sinaiim right here? Uh, I know none of the commentators really know. They the main speculation is is China, but that's not necessarily the end of it. I but we do know from Ezekiel twenty. Let's look at Ezekiel twenty eight verse twenty five. We know from this how it will how the gathering will be they'll come from all directions in isaiah 28 in verse 25 isaiah 28 verse 25 then says the lord when i shall have gathered the house of israel from the people among whom they are scattered shall be sanctified in them of course, God is going to be sanctified in them in the sight of the nations. Then shall they that dwell in the land that I have given them, they will dwell in the land that I have given them to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell safely therein and shall build houses, plant vineyards, yea, they shall dwell with confidence when I have executed judgments upon all those that despise them round about them and they shall know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord, their God. Now continue back in Isaiah 49 and verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and bring forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has covered his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. A beautiful verse, ensuring, uh, picturing, comforting of God's people. But but Zion said, and the church begins to wonder, well, what's happened to us? But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. And then God answers that and says, can a woman? Jerusalem above the mother of us all. You come to Zion, the church of the, the church of God, the, the firstborn. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, they may forget, yet will I I will not forget you. Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. And your walls are continually before me. And those walls means 
their trials, their difficulties, that he has seen them through all of them. But we want to focus here on can a woman forget her sucking child? It is re relevant, very relevant to what's going on in the world today. If we go to Isaiah uh, 66 for this. Isaiah 66, the last chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah 66. We'll begin in verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word. Your, bro your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that renders recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered a man-child. Now, some of the commentators, as we continue to read here in just a second after this comment, want to talk about how Israel was regathered and became a nation and reborn in that sense in 1948. That's not the restoration of Israel in the ultimate sense, but there had to be that restoration for Second Thessalonians and other scriptures to be fulfilled where a temple is built in Jerusalem and one sits in the temple proclaiming that he is God. But the ultimate restoration and birth is when the church is born into the kingdom of God. Uh, let's see this as we go along here. Verse 7, before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as, as soon as Zion travailed, who is Zion? She brought forth her children. Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth? In other words, cause them to be born. Says the Lord, shall I, shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? Says my God. Of course, that is when we are resurrected. Rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her. All you that love her, rejoice for joy with her. All you that mourn for her, that you may suck and be satisfied with the breast of her consolations, that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. And so, and you can read the rest of that chapter. So God says that he is going to bring Israel to birth, he's, and he's going to restore Israel physically, and he is going to bring the church to birth. And he is graven. Can you imagine what is graven on the hands of Jesus Christ? He had nails driven through his hands, through his palms, as he was nailed to the stake. Whether it was a stake in an upright post or a cross in his hands, stretched out. I don't know for sure, but uh, he had nails driven through his the palms of his hands. Your children shall make haste. This is Isaiah 49, 17. Your children shall make haste, your destroyers, and they that made you waste shall go forth of you. Lift up your eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you. As I live, says the eternal, you shall surely, you shall surely clothe you with them all and with an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. And of course, we have been called to 
the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're to put on a wedding garment. And that wedding garment is spiritual. We should, we should put on a spiritual wedding garment. And if you don't have on that spiritual wedding garment, you're going to be cast out and not be able to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. For verse 19, for your waste and your desolate places in the land of your destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants and they that swallowed you up shall be far away. So God is going to greatly increase the population of Israel. He's going to give them children that they've had. They're going to give them children to replace children that they have lost. As we see in the next verse, the children which you shall have after you have lost others shall say again in your ears, the place is too narrow, too straight for me. In other words, it's really crowded. You can imagine, you see on television daily, the mess there in Gaza, how two or three million people are crowded into that one little street, the Gaza street. The place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. So Israel is restored in the land and there will yet be old men and old women and children playing in the streets of Jerusalem. But at the same time, that area can't contain all of them. So there will be some recolonizing, I suppose you would say, of the earth and going forth. Then shall you say in your heart, Isaiah 49, 21, who hath begotten me? These seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive and removing to and fro. And who hath brought these? Behold, I was left alone. These, and I was left alone. These where had they been? Where did all these come from? Well, the nations are going to flood into Jerusalem in the millennium. And as you read in Zechariah, where it says the, the people from the language and nations should grab hold of a Jew and say, show us our your God. We have heard that God is with you. Now verse 22. Thus says the eternal God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations. I will set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring, they shall bring your sons and your daughters in their arms and shall be carried upon their shoulders. And Isaiah 66 speaks to this somewhat. And kings shall be your nursing fathers, and their queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their face toward the earth. Those who have made fun of Israel and God's people are going to be serving God's people and lick up the dust of your feet. And you shall know that I am the eternal. For they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Of course, we don't know how long we have to wait. It seems like things are coming together in the prophetic sense and many prophecies are being fulfilled, but yet there is a ways to go. And we have to remain faithful to the very end. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive delivered. But thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. Doesn't matter how fierce, how 
difficult how terror-ridden the peoples are that have terrified God's people, they are going to be delivered from them. For I will contend with him and contend with you, and I will save your children. And I will feed them that oppress you with their own flesh. In other words, the people that oppress will now, with their own flesh, become your servants. Now, some people might uh, take this to literally mean that in the, when the Romans besieged Masada back in the circle 130 AD, the famine was so great that people gnawed their own arms and ate the flesh of their own arms, but I don't think it's talking about that. It's talking about these people that have oppressed God's people, that they're going to serve God's people, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know. And see, one of the primary things that God does, as I said last time, what God does, he does for his name's sake. He's going to keep his word. And they shall know that I, the Eternal, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Okay, took us an hour. We hit some of the highlights there, a lot of material in that chapter. So uh, that will conclude the study for tonight. Now we ask... Uh, do any of you have any question or comment that you would like to to bring forth? Dr. Ward, um, verse 16, what did you say about the walls there? It says your walls are continually before me. The uh, trials, troubles of Israel were before God. He knew about them, and he was there always to deliver them. Okay. Okay, do we have another question or comment? I get really excited in studying the Word of God. It's, it's such a wonderful thing. You see more and more every time how the Bible is woven together as a beautiful tapestry. You just put it together here a little, there a little, piece it together. There we have a beautiful picture. Any other question or comment? Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be exciting to be on on the other side and in, in the kingdom and and see these verses get fulfilled and and uh, and and I'm sure in quite a few cases we will go. Oh, that's what God meant when He said that. Oh, that's what these verses meant. Yeah, that will be quite the time. Yes, I mean. Uh, you know, just to contemplate Romans eight seventeen, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and you're going to inherit the heritages of old. I mean, we we will be born of the essence that is eternal. You know, back when the uh, doctrinal wars were raging in worldwide back in nineteen ninety. Uh, one of the things was, oh, we can't be spirit beings in the kingdom of God because uh, we were created beings. See, that's the whole purpose and plan of God is that he would re reproduce children of the same essence that he is. And so we have the same essence in us that God and Christ have in them and when we are born, we are heirs of our father, and we are joint heirs with our elder brother. And that's exciting to think about that. 
Okay, anything else? We'll see you in two weeks. Let's see, what's the day the 13th? So 14 and 23 is 27. Is that right? Okay, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>